It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. We have made it to episode number 172. We're kind of creeping up to 200, and I've just kind of realized that right now. We've only got, what, about uh, 20, 28 episodes to go here. That's math for you. You're welcome. And uh, we want to welcome everybody in. We've got a ton of stuff to get to, mainly all of your questions, which are all over the place this week, and we are very excited to answer those. Uh, Just to remind everybody, whether you're out there on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, we would uh, really appreciate your five-star reviews, your feedback. Um, I, BLG, there was a uh, what was a review back in June about our audio quality. Is that is that a thing? Is that possible? Did anybody else out there feel like we're not having the uh, some audio issues? I don't know what that was from, but uh, uh, we'll take any feedback that we can get. Uh, but more importantly, uh, if you guys missed it on the Twitter.com, we are expanding this season. That is our first major announcement. So. There are going to be some individual shows from all of the BGN radio hosts that you know and love. And uh, two of them, of course, are here with us this afternoon as we uh, get through uh, some some Buddy Ryan stuff, which is very sad to hear. And uh, like I said, your questions and all that. Mr. BLG, Editor-in-Chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. What's happening, sir? How are you? John, BGN Radio 172. I remember with the earlier episodes when you used to make jokes about how, like, you know, the episode was the age and everything, and the, you used to have these little yeah. clever bits. We've been dead for over 100 years now. <laughs> I know. There's no, there's no like, jersey numbers that have 172, so that kind of ran out uh, rather quickly. But uh, what is not going to run out quickly is the material that this man's going to provide for us all season long. 
uh, editor-in-chief of our Eagles, silver on the reddit.com, Mr. Matt Daring. What's happening, sir? Hey, Johnny. Uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> Uh, so what uh, if you missed it so Matt is Matt and uh, and Trev are going to do a show together this year which basically is going to centralize around Eagles Twitter uh, NFL takes everything all the nonsense that we kind of go through that's just going to be its own show which I, I can, I'm so looking forward to you bits and skits and and everything kind of in between uh Patrick is going to be doing more or less the, the Eagle after dark I know we did a lot of periscopes we're going to do some uh, Facebook live videos along with that this year and this season. So he's going to look at the serious side and not so serious side of, again, Eagles, the NFL, everything else. And we'll go, we're going to welcome in Adam. Her uh, is it Herman or Herman? I always get get confused, BLG. Who knows? He's new. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> get the privilege of having his so, name said right. We've already talked on the phone several times, and I, I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. So we'll get that squared away. But he's uh, one of the newest writers over at BGN, and him and Patrick are going to be Heading that up, uh, we'll have a dedicated fantasy show and the newly named, which I believe we can reveal, uh, um, what is it, the Ginger Genuine Draft Show with our own Ben Natan. So all year long, you're going to be getting news on college prospects, uh, college uh, conferences, preview shows, uh, on, on all of that stuff. So if you're part of Draft Twitter, if you're a part of all that stuff, uh, that'll be ongoing as well. And then we're working out some other stuff. Fantasy sh uh, shows, uh, me and BLG are trying to even even squeeze one more in there. Maybe have a writer's roundtable every now and again. But the, uh, basically what I'm rambling on about is we're just going to have a lot more content this year. Uh, BGNradio.com hopefully will be live somewhere uh, in the middle to late end of August. And of course, stay tuned because we have other major, major announcements uh, coming up regarding the rest of the season. So with that being said, let's get right into it. Uh, Buddy Ryan passed away uh, after, you know, kind of a kind of a long, a long battle and uh, has been kind of declining in health for the last uh, five years. But every article, everything, every NFL player, every NFL writer has a great Buddy Ryan story. And that to me was that was how I became an Eagles fan. I was this kid living in Iowa and not really understanding Randall Cunningham or Jerome Brown or whatever, but there was there was a game in October of 1992 that was on, uh, I don't know whether I saw the highlights on SportsCenter or whatever it was, but the seven goal line stand in a 7-3 win, which probably was the most boring football game on, on the planet, but I was like, what? A, oh, interesting. What are these Eagles? What are these Eagles all about? And then you start learning about Reggie White and Jerome Brown and Seth Joyner and Eric Allen and all these other greats, great defenses that kind of surrounded this thing. And and Buddy Ryan to me was just he encompassed everything that was. I mean, obviously we've started to get away from that as, as Philly fans, as that just cesspool of of crap at, in the vet of just like the the worst fans on the planet. But Buddy embraced that mentality at least publicly in press conferences he kind of brought you into the locker room he made you feel like you were he was the biggest fan of the Eagles right along with you so like he grabbed you through the television and and all the shit talking that he used to do with against Dallas and showing up Tom Landry and just you know the the apples don't far fall from the tree when you're looking at Rex Ryan and when you're looking at his dumb brother uh, that was just a tiny piece of what Buddy Ryan was like. He he was he was them amplified, uh, along with just 
obviously being a great innovator of the game, and I think that's what gets that's lost in this. I mean, his defense alone was nobody knew how to do deal with it for six to ten years, somewhere in between there. You know, there was a lot of Dave Mangles had a great article today, and make sure you go read it because it really encompassed his entire career and why it was so innovative of he just adjusted and kept adjusting this thing that he that was a sub package. The 4-6 defense was just something because they had bad players to adjust it. Like, we need to make sure to disrupt the offensive line's blocking schemes and cause people to not be able to pull. Like, NFL back then, there was always two back sets. Always two back sets, and like rarely would you ever see just Walter Payton in the back in the backfield or anybody else. You know, there would be a tight end back, there would be a, a fullback, there'd be somebody in the backfield. That I mean, that it basically Buddy Ryan was in charge of forcing people to go to the spread offense, and that's how it's kind of evolved from then to now. So I mean, it's he's a very important part of not only Eagles history but NFL history all alone. And I know Brandon and and Matt weren't kind of around, but Brandon, what was your from the outside and 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 just looking back at a lot of people's comments and a lot of people's just feelings about what it was to be an Eagles fan back in the early, you know late eighties, early nineties? Uh, what what kind of impression for you did Buddy Ryan leave with the NFL and with this Eagles fan base? Well, for me, growing up during the Andy Reid era, uh, you know, I was kind of almost spoiled, you know, with the success of the, the NFC Championship games and then going to the Super Bowl and all of that and. And then slowly over time, hearing about Buddy Ryan and what he brought to the Eagles, I mean, it seemed great. <laughs> it seemed like everyone was having a lot of fun, but it was just weird because, you know, they didn't have that playoff success. What, it was like 0-3 in the playoffs or something like that. So it was kind of hard like to reconcile, like, you know, everyone was so happy or a lot of people enjoyed those teams and they really loved them. And, you know, Buddy was this, you know, brash, engaging, dynamic, uh, entertaining, that just downright entertaining head coach and just being so weird about seeing people, you know, complain about Andy and kind of making uh, Andy almost seem underappreciated because, you know, he was always, uh, you know, he, he, everyone knows how Andy was. He was very, I wouldn't want to say private, but, you know, he was, he had his own demeanor of, of shutting the press down and, you know, you know, the injury report, reading those at the beginning of every press conference and, and times yours and all of that. And, and uh, <laughs> I have to do a better job and all that stuff. So it's kind of like I think uh, we almost romanticize Buddy more, especially after having gone through coaches like that. At the same time, it's just weird because the the, success, the overall success wasn't there. Yeah, and that's where it, it's amazing to me that I know Matt and I always have this discussion versus like why, just on what Brandon touched on, like how is it that Buddy Ryan is still so loved and Andy is not. And and it's just the it's really just comes down to personality because Andy gave us the best years, without a doubt, as Eagles fans, with the level of competition, the way that they were always in this thing, no matter what year it was, from you know, two thousand on to his, his his final years down the road in two thousand ten and eleven. Uh so I guess that's Matt for you. I mean, I know we we kind of tend to make fun of a lot of the radio callers and things like that are always the next Dawkins or we need a coach like Buddy. But it, it, is is it just personality? Do you think for you and and some of the most memorable games like the body bag game and everything that's in there and 
screwing around with Dallas of why Buddy is so beloved in the city. Yeah, I think that's probably it. You know, it's funny if you go to his Wikipedia page. I don't know if it's still this way, but I remember reading back through a while back and it was like, despite even his Wikipedia page is salty. You know, it's just like a very salty sort of angry, angrily written kind of thing. Like, despite unprecedented success and this and that, he was fired somehow for no reason. <laughs> and um, and it really says like stuff like that. And, you know, of course, then you tag it and it's like, oh, the tone of this needs fixing. But anyway, um, the uh, the the funny thing, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that for a lot of people and especially as people get older, I mean, that was the first time they were really successful since you know, the Jaworski years. Uh, so, you know, they were they were coming off of like a bad a bad stretch that even then didn't really result in much. And I think the too, for a lot of people, you know, this was the first time that we had like a quarterback, you know, Randall Cunningham was there the same t- sort of time. And, you know, how those two interacted, I, I guess, is a, a conversation maybe not for maybe for another day. But um, yeah, I think I think that people definitely uh, remember him fondly, and and I think there's you know some rose colored lenses to that, but you know also, and and I think that this bears mentioning that like Football Outsider says that Nayu on Eagles were the best defense ever, or you know something like that. So yeah, I mean, this is DVOA, right? yeah, and so this is like I mean. There's, this was for sure not a team to be not a team to be under underestimated and and I think a large amount of that well some of that fell on you know Jerome and Reggie and, and those guys but you know a large amount of that also fell on the coaches yeah and I think that I think there is some it's weird for me because we had this debate in the thread the other day when we were talking about buddy Ryan and people brought up hey let's discuss this 85 Bears defense 91 Eagles defense go and I think I was one of the only ones I was like actually Despite what it was, I think the 85 Bears was the better defense. I think the Eagles 91. I know. I'm I'm, I'm, (laughs) accept all the hate when it's coming through. I think the obviously the Eagles front four it can't touch the Bears. Like you have two Hall of Famers on the line, basically. You know, and and that whole and Seth Joyner was great. You know, and Eric Allen was great, but Bears had Mike Singletary in a in a secondary that didn't give an f about anybody's head you know and it was a, it was still kind of a different game back then too but even when saying that I, I you know the in 85 people have only really seen this defense for four years right and yeah it had the most like most sacks in NFL history since the merger all the you know the 18 and one and I, I don't know the only thing I don't agree with is that the 85 Bears were a, a more balanced team look they had Mike McMahon all right, and if you're telling me that Mike McMahon was better than Randall Cunningham, we got that's a whole other discussion we got to talk about. Did they have Walter Payton? Absolutely, yes, indeed. They had a Hall of Fame running back. But you, I mean, name a wide receiver on the '85 Bears. Thank you. Name an offensive lineman on the '85 Bears. Thank you. I mean, it was basically the same football team. And I think what's the difference was the NFL had six years to figure out a way to beat the Eagles, and then Buddy Ryan as a head coach who was so stubborn, and him and Ditka. Also, you know, we're so stubborn against each other. They didn't deal. He didn't deal with the offense. That was it. So if there was a competent offensive coordinator that came to the 91 Eagles, I have no doubt in my mind that that would have been one of the best football teams ever in NFL history. But they just didn't have an offensive mind on that team. And they just said, Randall, go make a play. And that's not how it works. Like if Randall Cunningham had Andy Reid as a quarterback coach or anything that is relevant around that, I think there would have been 
one of the most like there should have been a dynasty for Buddy Ryan, and then he would have been loved uh, for absolute ever. Uh, but uh, with that being said, I know that there is a lot of questions in the mailbag, so let let us go dive right into that. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. All right, we're going to start with uh, Johnny Williams at John Jonathan. Nice, that's a double N there, like that. Which eagle who hasn't made the Pro Bowl is most likely to make the Pro Bowl next year? I'm going to guess it's for this season. So, BLG, who do you think makes the Pro Bowl this season? I'm going to say Rodney McLeod. You know, there's a lot of hype around wow, that signing. There you go. Yeah. A lot of talk about how the Eagles might have one of the best safety tandems in the league, and I agree that could be true. I think, you know, McLeod is a guy who looked really good in spring practices. I think, you know, it's going to carry over to the to when the games actually matter because he, he looked pretty good at times in St. Louis. He has those hard hits. He can make big plays. I'm going to say it could be Rodney McLeod. I like uh, I like the Rodney McLeod answer. Matt, what are you thinking? Uh, I think I have two answers. Um, the Pro Bowl, they like guys, and I think BLG's on the right track. They like guys who play in good units, you know, so um, and they also like uh, good players on bad teams. But anyway, they... Um, I would think that one of the stronger units of our team this year is going to be the defensive line. So I would say that either Benny Logan or Brandon Graham could be, uh, you know, that's a good one. Pretty decent, um, you know, pretty, pretty decent pro bowl picks. I think, you know, if Benny Logan gets five sacks or if Brandon Graham gets 10, I think that, you know, you're probably looking at a pro bowl bid or certainly an alternate bid for one of those two guys. I like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two as well. I'm going to stick with the defensive side of the unit. Mark it down right now. Uh, Thursday, 2.38 p.m., June 30th, Jordan Hicks is a 100% lock to make the Pro Bowl this year, as long as he stays healthy, because I think think he's the exact prototype that you're looking for in a Jim Shorts defense. I will give you an offensive name, and I'm going to say Jordan Matthews is a pretty good candidate to make the Pro Bowl this year. I think that there is not a lot going on in the wide receiving core, and obviously Nelson Aguilar is, is a huge question mark in a lot of different ways. So I think uh, I think I kind of like uh, Jordan this year as we move right along to Zachary Khan. Who do you see the Eagles leading in sacks, tackles and interceptions this year? Matt Jordan Hicks in all three <laughs> BLG sacks, tackles and interceptions. Yeah, I'm going to go Vinny for sacks. I feel like he's going to rack up some sacks this year. Um, tackles. I'll say Hicks and the interceptions. I'm going to go with my man, Leotis McKelvin. I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go Brandon Graham in sacks. I'm gonna throw a little curveball in there because I still think Cox is gonna get double teamed and take up a lot of the middle. Although I do expect a lot of them uh, tackles. I'll all say Jor- Jordan Hicks, and I'm gonna go Eric Rowe with interceptions this year after after a slow four or five games in the beginning this year. Uh, let's go to the phones and Stephen Lee. What's up, BGN? Stephen Lee checking in from West Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, I called in with a thought that I've been having um, the past few days kind of crept in the back of my mind. Um, I think everybody's really excited to see what a lot of individual players can do in in Jim Schwartz's attacking 4-3 scheme. And we're all kind of banking on them coming out the gates, uh, you know, just really in sync. Um, I guess my question is, you guys anticipate 
any um, growing pains, so to speak, uh, transitioning from a 3-4 to a 4-3. You know, I realize that a lot of players that we currently have on the roster are really tailor-made for this scheme, Fletcher Cox being one of them, um, Benny Curry being another. But it wouldn't really surprise me too much if we got off to a rocky start. I don't know if that's against Cleveland or against Chicago or whoever we play the first few weeks. Um, but that's really my question because I don't feel like anybody's really touched on that. Do you think that the defense might not come out looking the way it could look, you know, in a year or two? Thanks, guys. Well, speaking of slow starts, it's a pretty good question. Uh, you know, we've all been touting that the defense is going to be this kind of juggernaut and and hopefully the strength of the Eagles defense here, BLG. But is there a chance that they're going to start slow? I think so. I mean, we look back to the 2013 Eagles when they were moving from a 4-3 wide nine to a uh, the 3-4 two-gap defense. And Bill Davis talked a lot about how just there was a big transition from those schemes. I think the Eagles have more players here suitable for the 4-3 than opposed to 2013 when the Eagles needed more 3-4 players. So the transition could be smoother, and the Eagles obviously had run the 4-3 for a long time before they had switched to the 3-4, so it's not this totally new foreign thing like the 3-4 was. But, yeah, it could take some time. I mean, there are some new players here, and obviously, you know, Schwartz has to, to, you know, make his impact and everything. And we saw that in training – or not training camp, but some of these spring practices where the defense was sloppy. Jim Schwartz even called him out one time. He said they were playing like crap or something one day in practice, and – uh, I, I think it could take some time, but I do think eventually it's going to come together quickly because there's just a lot of talent, I think, in this defense, and, and you're maximizing it. You're maximizing these pass rushers like Vinnie Curry and, and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and, and so on. And, you know, I think the linebacker core, I like the talent there with Hicks and everything. And then the secondary, we already talked about McLeod and Jenkins, and, and I think the corners will hold up overall. So I think it can come together at some point. Yeah, I think there's... You know, we all, I think that gets regurgitated a lot. If you have two good safeties, makes your corners look a lot better and vice versa. So I think that there's, I don't think there's going to be as, as much of a problem at, at cornerback as maybe we're thinking of as long as those two guys play up to their potential. Uh, I mean, I see, a, I see slow and sloppy, but slow and sloppy like any NFL team is in the first couple of weeks. Like I think the, the biggest, the biggest people to kind of attach themselves, even though BLG said, yeah, obviously there's not a lot of, a big difference from flopping for those, but I'll say some of the rookies struggle. I think actually, I think Jordan and Eric Rowe struggle in the first couple of weeks and it'll be semi-noticeable. But other than that, I don't expect like a it, it, it to be a long drawn out process, Matt. Yeah, I think you guys pretty much covered it. I don't think... Um... I don't think there's a long drawn out process either. I think, uh, you know, there's some reason to feel like it could start out slow, but I guess I'd probably be, I'd probably be more surprised if they did than if they didn't. Uh, let's go to willing to go ham. Once again, checking in. We appreciate that more TDs this season, Zach Ertz or Jordan Matthews, Matthew. Whew. That's a tough one. Uh, I guess it depends on, on, uh, both of their playing times, which is kind of a funny thing. a funny thing. And what's their goal line offense look like? <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess that's sort of a funny thing to talk about if we're talking about these are our two big offensive weapons. But yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's a good question. I guess I guess I'll have to say Matthews because I feel like Ertz gets his touchdowns more in chunks. And if those chunks don't come, then, you know, he could be like a four touchdown guy. Whereas I feel like Matthews is probably like a six to eight touchdown guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, uh, no matter what, I'll always take the wide receiver over tight ends unless it's like, you know, Gronk or somebody. Uh, BLG? 
I wanted to say Matthews at first because he's probably going to get more targets, and then from that sense, it just makes sense to bet on that. But I'm thinking about it more. I'm thinking about Doug Peterson's offense, which is supposedly supposed to feature tight ends. I mean, we all know about how the Chiefs didn't have a wide receiver who scored a touchdown like, what, over a year? It was like this long period where the Chiefs didn't even have a receiver score a touchdown. I don't think that's going to be the same case with the Eagles because the Eagles have better receiver talent than the Chiefs did during that span. But with that said, I think, you know, the the tight ends are going to be a big focus and I'll take Ertz. I don't know, man. Dwayne Bow. I'm just saying, give him a call. Uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, that Chiefs team had had nobody on it. Uh, nobody could catch a ball on that team. Let's go to our, our good friends Ari and Al over at the official review. By the way, start up your podcast again, please, and thank you. Uh, who returns kickoffs this year, BLG? Uh, Josh Huff, and that's pretty much the only reason I think he makes the team because I just I don't really think it's going to work out for him as a wide receiver, but I think. His value as a returner is kind of the thing that's saving him right now. Uh, Matt? What was the question? Sorry. <laughs> Who returns kickoffs this year? Oh, I think it's got to be Josh Huff. Um, I think he's, yeah. he's the only really proven one, and yeah, I don't really see anybody else in this roster unless you're going to tell me that one of these defensive backs is just hanging out there and he's some dynamic returner. I, I just think it's got to be Josh Huff. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty much going to be a trifecta from us. I don't really see anybody that's going to be as effective in there. You're not going to put Sproles back there either. Or, you know, one of the one of the I guess it would. Jalen Mills is that the BLG was he returning kicks at all this year? I think they were going to or during OTAs. Not so much. McKelvin a little bit, but I doubt. I doubt he does it. Um, who was yeah, uh, uh, Byron Marshall? Maybe. Maybe could oh, be Byron right, Marshall. Right, right. Could be in the okay. mix. Byron Marshall, uh, Josh Huff's organ replacement. Oddly enough, more than likely. Uh-huh. Uh, this is kind of where it gets. I thought this was very interesting. This comes from Road to Victory, our good friend Chad. Should Cox have praise blame for wins losses now that he's the breadwinner on the team? He's making QB money now. So what is his responsibilities here, Matt? Boy, I hate sort of doling out blame like this at all because it's just a yeah. game. Um, but- well, and he, and he clarifies no one player deserves all the praise or blame, but wrongly QBs do. So does he get that territory now that he's, he's getting paid like one? I guess I'd have to say somewhat, but I guess that's also, you know, that's very contingent on how he performs. I mean, if he's got like a, if he's got like a big game and they lose, I'm not really sure how you can kill him for it, but I don't really think that like, I guess, I guess I'd have to say no, because I don't really think that Fletcher Cox is going to be out there leading them on a game winning drive. You know, that would be interesting. Uh, but that's probably not what the fans paid to see. So uh, I would probably say that I don't think that uh, Fletcher Cox really deserves any of the blame. Um, I guess the closest thing you could say for things like that is, you know, we could have spent that money elsewhere, but I definitely don't like that line of thinking at all. So, uh, yeah, I will say no. BLG? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like thinking like that. I think it's it's just such a different position. I mean, the quarterback literally touches the ball every play. I mean, like, they're involved every single play, whether they're handing off or they're throwing. I mean, they have such a such a larger influence than, like, a defensive tackle. I mean, uh, it can have a huge impact on the game, and we've seen that with Fletcher Cox throughout his career and especially in recent years. But, I mean, you can do things to kind of scheme around him or you can double-team him and things like that. And if, if he's getting that kind of attention, which is great and probably might not be seen, I mean, you know, we can we could, like, point to Cox having, like, zero tackles in the game and be like, oh, he was terrible. Well, he could have been, like, drawing double-teams the whole game, and that's why Vinnie Curry had, like, three sacks or something. So I don't like comparing that at all. Yeah, I'm, it's it's hard to do. I think you can do it a little bit. Like, if I mean, if he's underperforming, I think that's really the only way – 
you could really post any blame. And again, I'm I, I if, if for some like I don't foresee it happening at all. If for some reason Fletcher Cox just takes a nosedive, sure, there's some blame there. But you also got to blame the front office then at that point too. If of just like you know who who could one who could see that coming anyway. And if you have revisionist history, like you were gonna pay him anyway. What was the difference? Like oh, you should have just traded him. Like if I hear anybody, if I even remotely hear anything like that, that's ridiculous. Because ninety five percent of the Eagles fan base wanted to sign him anyway and wanted him to get this money. Uh, so with that being said, I, I guess if he doesn't emerge as a leader on the defense, if he is not that JJ Watt type of type of guy, if he is you know, I don't know, missing assignments, kind of blowing it off type of thing, then I then I think you could. But, uh, you know, if that defense of unit is performing well and he's doing his job, then then absolutely not. I think it's, you know, it, it's it's easier to control. And one, you know, I think it's been said already, but he doesn't have his, he doesn't have the football in his hands. You know, if he had the football in his hands on the majority of the time that he was out on the field, then I think it's a bigger difference. But that's why, again, the quarterback gets... A lot of the blame. That's why the head coach gets a lot of blame, and they're kind of synonymous with it because they're touching the ball other than the center, you know, <laughs> all the time. So, all right. Well, moving on with that, we'll we'll maybe uh, maybe we'll get a little bit of fun here as Matt Gumbrecht is is chiming in. Who is your favorite non-Eagles player in the NFL? No former Eagles either. He says it's it's Jared Allen. Uh, BLG. Who is your favorite non-Eagles player in the NFL? Favorite non-Eagles player? That's hard. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot out there. Um. I kind of want to say Steve Smith off the bat, just because he's he's pretty fun. Uh, just yeah, Steve Smith is a good he's, is a good one. He's been around for a long time. It's crazy they're still playing. It's just I think he's one of the, the more entertaining personalities in the league. And, and getting to see him at training camp last year uh, when the Ravens came practice against the Eagles, that was pretty funny. He had some good quotes. I think he's he's one of the most entertaining players. This practice is apple juice. Yeah. I still remember that quote there. Yeah, just talking smack to Eric Rowe the whole time too, right? Yeah. Wasn't that uh, wasn't that part of the thing? Yeah, he's a yeah. lot of fun. Matt, your favorite non-Eagle in the NFL? Uh, I hate all people who are not on the Eagles, including former <laughs> Eagles. So I don't really think that I uh, I have a non-favorite Eagle in the NFL. And if you think I'm joking, okay, I'll go with Evan Mathis. Evan Mathis is my favorite. <laughs> oh, no, it can't, crap. All right, Eagles, no, so I hate count. all no. non-Eagle players. <laughs> In the NFL, uh, I can't believe he didn't say Deshaun Jackson. Honestly, so oh that, yeah, uh, my favorite. Bit. Uh, mine is going to be so lame and so 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 obvious, but it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I just can't not love that guy. As as many State Farm commercials, as many times that he's kissing my future ex wife Olivia Munn, uh, it is just uh, I I can't I can't not like him. Aaron Rodgers is is great. Uh, and uh, follow up to that is we're going to play a little Mary Fuck Kill here, boys. I hope you're ready for this one. Oh, so, boy. Uh, Mary Fuck Kill, the BGN radio hosts, BLG. All right. Mary James, obviously. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, I think he's the best husband, too. I, I have yeah. to do it. He's the only one who's actually married, so. <laughs> That's true, too. Yes. Uh, yeah, so he has experience. That's exactly what I'm <laughs> That's saying. That's exactly um, right. Uh, oh, this is so hard. Oh god. Yeah, which one are you gonna hump? Um Patrick. Oh, for me, he's just he's the best uh, looking guy out of everyone, yeah, right? I no, mean, that's it true. Has, it's no, an it's, obvious answer. It. It has to be See, you're I'm taking, stealing your I'm taking all a lot of my answers. answers. <laughs> yeah. And then kill <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Matt. It's gonna have to be you. Uh, oh, I know you can no. take it. No, you know what I, I figured I figured that you would both pick me for kill. So. I know you could take I it. Actually, that's why. I actually don't ha- I don't have you as the kill. Oh good. So 
So, who, Matt, who's your MFK? Uh, well, I'd probably marry you, John, because we talk about cooking a lot, so you'd probably help out in the kitchen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I, pre- I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I definitely have to fuck Patrick. He's got the kindest <laughs> eyes. He does have You just get lost eyes. to him. You just look at him. And, yeah. You know, he's like talking about xylophones or whatever the hell. And, you know, it's like, wow. <laughs> And kill? Uh, uh, yeah. I guess I'd have to go with you, BLG. Well, that's only fair. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, great. I appreciate Matt Gumbrecht uh, having a duel uh, on the podcast here. So I, I'm also going to marry James because I, we basically already live together for the most part. Every time that we do a show on the radio, we're there, I'm there the night before and we're prepping and we're talking like little girls about sports and everything else and his wife Emily is good. We basically play house already. So that's why I'm going to marry James. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to fuck Matt because I, again, I think we understand each other's weirdnesses and oddities. So that's what I'm going to do. And unfortunately I got to kill Ben Natan. And that's really only because he's the newest one. That's it. I mean, because the guys have been around for a ton and I'm not saying that, you know, I'd want to kill Ben. It's just that we kind of grew this thing together, so that's uh, unfortunately I'm just going by seniority and not not by anything else. <laughs> that's a little there. personal. I don't uh, know. No, no, not personal at all. I love Ben <laughs> to death. That just means like I, uh, if I had to literally get with, or oh no, he wouldn't be new since we. So I'm sorry, Trev. I'd have to kill you because uh. he he would be the newest member or Adam. That's right. So we'll we'll kind of even though that well they're not officially BJ and Radio host either. So that's why I got to do that. Uh, okay. Oh Jesus. Yeah, who would miss? Here's him, the you know. <laughs> who is this is the broiest of bro questions for everyone out there who gets the oh, most boy. pussy out of the current oh, eagles God. roster blg well i'm just gonna rephrase that to like who is the best looking did we do that already <laughs> i don't know if we did that but i feel like we might have done that recently oh we might have yeah yeah um, i don't know if you were on that i think that might have been james and i uh okay it's hard. I want to pick one of the married guys because you can't you can't do that. Or you can't pick one of the engaged guys. Yeah, you just shouts can't to D'Angelo Russell. You just can't do that. You can't do yeah, it. Yeah, I just can't do that. Um, I think Matt said this one too, so I might be stealing his. But I have to say Benny Logan because he's just such a such a nice, sweet, sweet young man. He's such a nice guy. He's a he's a good guy, good hearted guy. I think uh, a lot of ladies should like him. Yeah, I think a lot of ladies might like Michael Kendricks, so I'm going to roll with Michael Kendricks on uh, on well, that Rihanna one. Matt. does, right? <laughs> That's right, oh absolutely. Um, I uh, I'll have to say Jason Kelsey because it seems like I see a lot of pictures of him out, and he's Ooh. always got a, like oh, yeah. a couple of girls with him. So I don't know. That's a that's that's a nice undercard there. Yeah. Uh, follow up that to a non bro question and a actually non football question. Does the new Adam Silver may have pressured the Sixers into higher Colangelo headline when the no shit Sherlock year of the uh, year award of the year BLG? Uh, that to me, that whole thing's so messed up. That whole I think there's that there's those three couple paragraphs in that recent Sam Hinkie article on ESPN about how basically Sam Hinkie was just too good at his job and everyone else didn't like that. And basically other executives are talking about how like, it's almost like other executives were saying like, you have to make a bad move every now and then like to even it out. And it's like, what are you talking about? No, you don't. I mean like the whole point is to get good and to make good moves. And then, ah, that whole thing is still really, really upsetting. 
Yeah, almost like the Patriots, right? I mean, like, the, right? Isn't that kind of what's going on in the NFL right now? Well, let's get the F. They actually win and, and cheat and, and do other things. But, you know, who wouldn't? Matt, what do you think of, uh, it, yeah, I mean, did you expect anything less that, hey, Adam Silver pressured the Sixers to ch- change out their GMs, probably from pressure from the owners, too, I'm assuming? Uh, no, I guess I didn't really expect anything less from them. So, uh <sighs> Yeah, and and it sucks too because it just it just the whole thing smacked to that. It's just like here's some guy, he's like some old power broker. You know, he used to own the Suns. He's like, uh, I, I rent a condo to him down in Punta Gorda every you know summer, and you know he always pays his rent on time. Like maybe he can help you run this team. And it's just, ugh, eh, yeah. I, I yeah, it, it just it just sucks so bad because it's like we had this thing going. And we even had, everyone like, was on board with it. Yeah, and we even had managed to like make the finance bro who was heading the team like kind of just sit back and watch it. And then and then I and I wonder too. I mean, if that was enough to precipitate it, like, and then dude, where's your backbone? Where's enough to read it? Like, what are they gonna do? Take the team away from you? They can't do that. They can't like force you to sell either. Like, I don't know. Yeah, just pissed me yeah, off. Yeah, and I think if there was a because I don't know if anybody else caught it. The uh, any given Wednesday, Bill Simmons last show on Wednesday night had Cuban and Malcolm Gladwell and it was an awesome discussion about how the first time that Mark Cuban went into the first you know NBA owners meeting he was just like it's like everybody's thrown their dick on the table and at the same time nobody talks so it's always kind of weird so if that in my mind after that came out and then listening to a guy like Mark Cuban if you think for one second that cubes would have been like, uh, yeah, we're doing really well, and go fuck yourself. If you want me out, you got to kick me out. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I don't think a guy. I think the right owner would have said, no, we're not doing that. But because that these guys are new to it and in a different way, and they don't want to rustle any feathers, and they want to make sure to sell the team in the next couple of years here, and that is definitely going to happen. Don't fool yourself. Uh, that you know, that's that's why they backed down and, and did all that. So. Uh, another NBA question here for us, Matt. Would you rather have LeBron or MJ in, re- in a real-life fantasy draft and they both start in their rookie years? Who are you taking? God, I don't know. <laughs> BLG? <laughs> uh, Matt has this tweet about how Michael Jordan has thrown zero uh, seven touchdown games. Also, uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James have both thrown zero touchdown games or zero seven touchdown games. Do you know who has thrown a seven touchdown game. <laughs> Could uh, I know? Is it Peyton Manning? It's the one and only Pro Bowl MVP Nick Foles. Ah, how y'all doing? <laughs> let's get uh, let's make some noise. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm still taking the LeBron just out of, of sheer athleticism and uh, and everything else here. All right, uh, the next question coming from Jr. Kelly Green, Silver and White. Any indications that they're changing? It back. They've been quiet this offseason on that front. Uh, in my opinion, midnight green equals poop. And I think that's, I don't know, it, it's weird. It, we always have this discussion pretty much in the offseason or when there's any kind of rumor that they're going to switch back to Kelly Green. I know uh, last year, two years ago, that they had put in to see if they could do it as an alternate. And I think that's what they're basically standing pat on is the Kelly Green will be an alternate jersey if that ever gets approved. But Matt, your your favorite uh, kind of jersey here for the Eagles? I don't know. I think uh, I like what they do. I wish they'd do the Kelly Green maybe as an alt. You know, I'm not really a big fan of the black, but uh, I don't I don't think that I like the Kelly. I like the Midnight Green. BLG, not a Midnight Green guy. Uh, 
I'd like to see the Kelly Green come back. Those were so fresh in 2010 when they had those. And, yeah, it was awesome. But as far as what they have now, and I, but I don't think it's going to happen because they have that whole thing with the helmets, and I don't think you know the Kelly Green's going to look good too with those midnight green helmets if they're going to do that now. I think uh, the all black is probably more likely, and I think the all black looks better than the black and white that they used to do, like black shirt, white pants, or even the black and green, which they they did like a very few rare times. Uh, it's it's nothing great. And it's kind of weird. I think com- people complain about how the black isn't like a primary color of the Eagles and everything. But I don't know. I kind of like the all black better than the midnight. Yeah, I I would kind of counter there with you. And I don't think they're going to do anything either because now they have the back and black thing. And that's that's been, you know, kind of the theme for going forward. But if I had a choice, I would I would scrap the midnight green, go back to Kelly Green immediately. I think that's I think it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, our good friend Jim Adair from CrossingBroad.com. You can also check out our podcast, Crossing Streams, over on CrossingBroad.com. You're thrown into an Eagles game. Which position, other than kicker or punter, and I'm going to amend that and say all special teams can't play any special teams at all, where do you do the least amount of damage? <laughs> Meaning, like, where can you, what position can you go into and maybe be okay at playing it, Matt? Uh, well, I will say this. If I can't play special teams, I'm probably not making the team. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, you know, and you know what they say. Like, if look, if you if you don't start, you better play specials. And so uh, I guess I would say, just factually speaking, that I probably do the least amount of damage as an interior defensive lineman. Uh, that would probably be, I don't have to run, like, too far. That's true. Um, yeah. I can just get pushed over. That's fine. <laughs> I, uh, and uh, that would be, and that's good. You know, maybe, uh, hopefully I don't get like stepped on or whatever, but I think that as far as where I could do the least amount of damage, aka where I'd be the best, uh, I'll go with that one. Yeah, up, stitch number 69, Matt Daring into the defensive tackle position. Look for them to run the ball that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's good. I'm going to go, I'm not tall enough for this position. Well, I just, what am I, what am I even thinking? I'm not tall enough and I'm too fat. Uh, I would probably go with tight end. I know I can block kind of, and I have okay hands. So I'm going to say tight end is, and you don't have to throw to me either. I can just be wander out in the middle. I can do a couple of circles. Uh, I can help, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, we can do a two running back set basically uh, with the quarterback and shotgun. I can do that. I'll throw my body and, and chuck somebody that's coming through the line. Uh, BLG, I'm, I, I think I, I have the spot for you. Uh, Let's but hear it. What, what are you thinking? Let's hear. I, I, I think you should. Mind. I think you should be a backup quarterback. <laughs> I don't know if that's backup like well, quarterback, but that's not. Yeah, I think well, it's cheating though. <laughs> because then you would be thrown in, and at least you would be. I think you should play quarterback. I think I, you have to play quarterback. I think it's wide receiver. Because think about how bad Miles Austin, Riley Cooper were, were the last season. If they can be that <laughs> terrible and play that much, and like Matt said, Miles Austin wasn't even playing special teams, and he was a backup. So I don't have to play special teams. I'll just be a backup. I, Eagles fans need and want the tall red zone threat so they can throw that yes, pass. Yes, that's right. And that's I right. can be the red zone threat the Eagles need. The next white lightning, uh, get out the grease. It's Brandon Lee Gowden playing wide receiver number three. Uh, <laughs> uh, our good friend Ryan Jones uh, chiming in, who also says there, there should be a mandatory installment uh, of, of my questions. And I said, yeah, maybe we can get some theme music going. So Ryan Jones... Our, uh, our our super friend or super fan uh, asks, which eagle would you most likely accompany you on the amazing race, Matt? Ooh, on the amazing race. Yes. Ooh, it's good. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I feel like speaks another language. 
Hmm. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, the only one I know is is dumb and no longer on the Eagles. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think if uh, like any of these, but, yeah, any of these dudes like bilingual. Yeah, speak Spanish or French or something. But, well, I guess failing that, I'd probably want someone who I felt like, uh, you know, probably wouldn't take one of the fat guys because uh, I got to sit next to him on a plane. Got to uh, run too. Yeah, and you got to run sometimes or fit down uh, the world's largest water slide or. Whatever, uh, or like go across a zip line, you know, you can't be 300 pounds. So <laughs> I probably, man, I probably have to go with uh, like somebody like Ertz maybe or Hicks, you know, they seem like they're smart guys. They might like oh, yeah. pay good attention and, and uh, you know, do the, do all the physical stuff so that I don't have to, uh, you know, so I'll, t- I'll go with one of those two. BLG, who are you taking with you on The Amazing Race? Speaking of smart guys, I have to take Carson Wentz because he is apparently, quote-unquote, a genius, yeah. according to NFL scouts. And But I'm <laughs> kind of concerned, though, because he would get locked in the bathroom. Yeah, that's what my first point was. I was like, dude, if he locked himself in a bathroom off of the New Jersey Turnpike, uh, I think I'm out. I think I'm out on Carson Wentz. <laughs> who, is, uh, who else were you going to say? Me? Oh, that was it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Uh, so I think, I think you got to take... I think you got to take one of the hunters on the team. So I think that's, I think Brandon Graham would be good for that. I think Benny, does Benny hunt too? I think actually most of the defensive line hunts, don't they? Fletch does, no, but I these would... but these are 300 pound guys. You got, you want to watch, you want to watch Benny Logan in an all out sprint to the finish line? Yeah. Think of the I chafing. Can just climb on, I can climb on his back and just, you know, <laughs> roll, you know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking one of those guys would be good. I also like Jordan Hicks too. Yeah. Cause he's really one. smart and he's fast. I think that would probably be it. I'll throw Jason Kelsey in there too. He just looks like he's got his shit together and like he can lead me into, into victory here. All right. We got a series of questions from Ray Andrews at uh, Greece monkey M U N K triple E. Uh, first one is, is why doesn't uh, Coach Peterson get pre- uh, credit for how he handled the injury-riddled running back core with the Chiefs in 2015, BLG? What was that question? Sorry. Uh, so he was basically asking why um, why doesn't uh, Peterson get uh, credit for for handling uh, the in, uh, the injuries that happened with the Chiefs <laughs> in the backfield? Why? In 2015? Why would he? Why would he get cre- like? Why should he yeah. get credit? Like, I'm not trying to ask that to be cynical. Like, what specific? Like, why? Why are we? Is that like a thing? Like, did he specifically oversee that? Like, I don't, why am I supposed to be giving him, like, to your account? I just don't understand. I mean, I guess he deserves some. Obviously, he's involved with the offense. He's the offensive coordinator. But, like, you know, that could have been Andy. Could have been the running back coach in there. It could have been partly Doug. I don't know. But I do think it's interesting how they are going to be using the the running back by committee. And I bring this up because Greg Cassell was on a a podcast recently, fantasyguru.com podcast, and was talking about, uh, the Eagles running back situation, how it's one of his biggest concerns on the team along with wide receiver. And he kind of had an interesting comment. He said that, you know, the Eagles see Wendell Smallwood uh, as a quote-unquote lowercase Jamal Charles. They said uh, he's a guy who they believe can be, who can progress to a feature back. And I think that's interesting because I don't think we really think of Smallwood like that. Uh, I don't think he's really ready to be that yet. I think Smallwood yeah, has, either. has a long way to go in terms of like pass protection. I don't think he's he's not you know this guy who breaks tackles or he's, not, he's just not this incredible talent. So I think uh, I just don't see that happening anytime soon. But uh, we've heard that Deuce Daly really likes Smallwood. The Eagles seem to be high on him. So I just think that's kind of interesting about how to totally get off the question just about how Doug's going to use these running backs that he has. 
Uh, all right, we'll move on to the next one then from uh, Ray from Matt. How uh, outside of Eric Rose, is there a player on the roster who's the future of the of the comeback spot? I think, or maybe the cornerback spot. He was saying. Uh, I guess it depends on how you define future, but yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of cornerbacks, uh, and a lot of them will still be here. You know, what Ron Brooks got a two year deal, McKelvin got a two or three year deal. I mean, these are guys who are going to be here for a little while. But I guess if you're asking. Uh, who on the Eagles roster, who on the cornerback spot is signed for five years or was a recent high draft pick, uh, I guess I would be forced to tell you that nobody is on this. But I don't really think that this is necessarily as big of an issue as, as other people do. I think that Nolan Carroll played really well last year, you know, and they got him on like a cheap deal. And so he could certainly be considered the future, even if he isn't under contract. Uh, I would say that McKelvin Carroll, um, you know, even like uh, Ja'Cory Shepard and everybody there was like a few days a week ago that everybody was like really mad at Ja'Cory Shepard for some reason. Um, but like, <laughs> guys, you know, guys like that, I would think would be all considered quote unquote, the future. I mean, if you're asking me, do I think there's any, uh, what apart from Roe, what future potential superstars are there? Uh, I guess I'd tell you none, but you know, it's, yeah. that's where we are. I think that's pretty much how I would, would sum it up too. Uh, all right. BLG would Fletcher Cox make the cut for an all time Eagles defensive line. And what would that look like in a 4-3 only? Uh, I would say for sure Fletcher Cox is making a cut on an all-time list defensive line-wise. How about you? Yeah, who is it then? It's it's Reggie. It's Fletcher Cox. We go in Jerome. Jerome. Jerome on the other side, and then you it doesn't. Then it doesn't matter. I'm gonna put. You're gonna lose. I'm gonna put Trent Cole <laughs> at other defensive end just because I think he's under. There you go. And when he was good in his prime, he was really good. Uh, you agree with that, man? I, I think, yeah, I don't think there's anybody else that pops up in my head. No, certainly recently, no. Jason Babin. No. I mean, I, I guess if you want to talk <laughs> about go. Hugh Douglas, but, you know. Turbo Bird. Maybe, maybe, maybe Hugh. I, I just Bird. think because Hugh Douglas has become so incredibly annoying since he's left the football that I, I don't know. Yeah, he had some great tweets and he blocked way. me. I can't retweet him anymore. <laughs> he had like, Roger shout Dog. out to the pros with no clothes and like, shout out to all the girls with bad breath out there and like. Shout out to, to all the people who like to dress up as animals and have sex with each other. Uh, <laughs> seriously, he seriously had a tweet yeah. like that where he's like, yo, shouts to furries. Uh, so, Man. you know. You know what's interesting, too, is like you think back to where like you put yourself in the exact spot during that T.O. turmoil and like, oh, yeah, Hugh Douglas came in there and punched him out. And everybody's like, yeah, take that. And you're like, Jesus. Now that you have the revisionist history, you're like, Jesus, man, that should have never, ever happened. Like, it's just some some random, like, non-football player who used to used to have good times at the Eagles is coming in to start shit in your locker room. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, last question from Ray, Ray here, BLG. Is this running back core offensive line better than the 2015 Chiefs that uh, had uh, success with the running game, in your opinion? No, not at all. I don't, yeah, think, I don't so. think so. Either. Uh, <laughs> this running back, I mean, I, I guess we didn't really know, you know, West was going to be as good as he was, and I guess whoever the Chiefs used, who I can't even think of at the moment right now, last year outside of Charles, and they did have Charles for a little bit, and obviously having him is big, although I guess they weren't really winning with him anyway, so... Uh, but this running back situation, I mean, we, I think we've talked about it all off season. I think I write an article about it like literally every day. It's just, it's just not inspiring. And they didn't do anything to address it, which is weird. It's kind of like we haven't really talked. About, I mean, I guess we've talked about it, but we haven't kind of like maybe, I don't know. Maybe this, that doesn't get enough like weight that they didn't really do anything to try to fix it. Maybe the, there weren't great options out there. They drafted Smallwood. That's really the only thing. But 
the 2016 class or 2017 rather is supposed to be really good, I guess, running backs. And I guess that's the kind of the intent of why they didn't really invest a lot of resources this year. They're already kind of looking ahead to next year. But when you're thinking about that and when you have the head coach saying that you have a running back by committee, your head coach is also saying that you don't have a really good running back on the roster or else you would just be using that guy. Precisely. Uh, moving on uh, at uh, Roar, uh, War Room Philly, our good friend over at uh, phillyinfluencer.com. Any chance that Daniel gets traded during preseason, maybe due to an injury on another team, and Wentz lands in that backup position, Matt? No. Uh, I, don't think his, <laughs> yeah. I don't think his contract is very I tradable. tradable. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I think that Doug Peterson brought him here because he likes him. So for him to be like, hey, man, enjoy Buffalo – you know, <laughs> thanks to the laughs or whatever. Like, I don't think that, like, I think he brought him here for a reason. And I don't think his reason is like, he has not fulfilled his purpose yet. Jacob, he needs more time. All right. So let's expand on that. Just a touch BLG. It's next year. Yeah. Uh, that's the does, question. Is, is, is Chase Daniel still here? They can easily trade him next year in terms of cap. I think they save $6 million. It only costs $2 million in dead money. So for all this crap people are talking about, oh, you'll spend all this money in quarterbacks this offseason. I mean, Bradford could come off the books after this year. Daniel could easily come after, off the books. I don't see it happening because, like Matt said, I think you know Doug really likes him. And I think he's a good backup to have to Carson Wentz going into next year. But you know, if it's a situation where... You kind of have like a team like Denver or or the Jets like this year where there's just a, a team out there and they just really need a quarterback and they're going to give you something good to get Chase Daniel, which I don't think is likely again. But, you know, it could happen. Teams get desperate. Uh, I think if it's going to happen at all, I think it would be next year or they could do it really in the last year of his deal. But I see that as less likely. I think if it's going to happen at all, it would be next year. Curious what you think, too, Matt. You think Chase Daniel's here next year? Yeah, probably. Um, I, 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 I mean, I, for all the reasons I just said, like, I think Doug has him here and he wants him to like, continue to like hang out and work. You know, I, I mean, there's 0% chance Sam Bradford's here next year. So are you going to come in and, and the only guy you had between 2016 and 2017 is, you know, Carson Wentz. And I don't know who's the fourth guy they have right now, even they don't, the, they, they don't have a fourth back, guy. Uh, so, Bethel right. So like we're talking year. about McLeod Bethel Thompson or good old, what's his name from Duke. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like Thad these Lewis. sorts of guys, Thad Lewis. Yeah, that's right. Um, good old Leadfoot. He, the, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems to me like, you know, if you want to have Chase Daniel to be here, to be like a mentor type guy and to be like a highly paid mentor at that, like there's no shame in that. And it even seems to me, it seems like it has, it's an idea with some merits. So, uh, I don't, and I don't, that's the other thing. I don't know who would want him. You know, uh, like yeah. I mean, he's going to be 32 and still a backup. Yeah. Like if point. you're coming knocking for like a guy like Chase Daniel, why don't you just go get like Mike Glennon or, uh, you know, yeah. somebody like that and you don't have to pay anything for him. That's a, yeah, exactly right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see him moving anywhere either now that you've just said that. So Chase Daniel going to be here making, uh, making nice, nice amount of money. Hopefully hold, hopefully holding a clipboard, uh, in the next coming seasons. Uh, let's go to, oh man, our good friend Zip Squad Jihad. Uh, the BGN crew versus Birds uh, 24-7 in a flag football game. Who is the QB and who wins the game with the score prediction, BLG? Well, technically, I don't think I don't think Birds 24-7 has enough people to really field a full team. Because it's, yeah, it's really yeah, just Tim and I think and it might Josh. have to be three and three on three or two on <laughs> two. On two oh yeah, good old two on two, two football, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they have a couple, I think they have an intern or two, but uh, Josh is pretty big. 
So they have that going for them, but I'm pretty big too, so I kind of match up with him. I think uh, I think we can take him easily. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, let's uh, let's expand that to Birds twenty four seven and the Philly Voice crew, uh, and then then who would win then, Matt? Uh, I still think we would because we have more subs. So you know, by the end you're getting tired. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just think when, Dangle, uh, when I play flag football with my friends, you know, the team that always has like anybody else there, they always win. <laughs> so we'll say, you know, thirty six to ten in a route. BGN crew over birds twenty four seven. The Billy Voice people, and I'm having BLGB quarterback, uh, even though he wants. To play <laughs> and I'm going to work as hard as I can to slap Jimmy just accidentally on purpose. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is from uh, our good friend Turtleneck, uh, Swabby721. What are your thoughts on the top 100 not having Malcolm Jenkins in it, BLG? I don't really care. I mean, I, I'm like, I, it sucks for Malcolm because, like, you know, if he made it, that would have been cool for him. But I mean, it's the top 100. I just, it's just such the, it's like the quintessential off season. We have nothing else to do. Let's run this NFL network programming. Wow, uh, very cynical of you, and we thank you for that, uh, Matt. <laughs> uh, yep, don't care. Okay, moving right along. Hey, folks. Oh, I'm as bad about trade? it as I've ever been. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say I think it's I, I think it's BS M- most of the time as far as just like the perception of, look, the Eagles' defense had the hardest job in the world for the last like three years because they were basically out there for – every single snap of the football game. And as, as much as I keep saying it, I don't think that the talent is recognized on the defensive side of the ball because of that, or at least it skews it a little bit. Um, I think, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is, is severely underrated, and that's even with Eagles glasses uh, on and off there. Uh, this comes from uh, Professor underscore Ape. Hey, folks, how about trading for Carlos Williams? Your thoughts, Matt? Okay, yeah. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing that short answer thing a lot today. Um, I'd trade yeah. for Carlos Williams, I guess. Uh, seems like he doesn't really have a place up there. Although, you know, you never can tell with, um, uh, is Booby Dixon still on that team? Who knows? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So I, yeah, but I, I guess I'd take Carlos Williams. Uh, I'm not sure that he's like the answer. Um, and I guess that brings back to what, what BLG was saying earlier that, that I would be really surprised if they didn't do something like that. You know, and and of course it's going to be sort of unsatisfying too because we're not going to be trading for like some you know cornerstone like offensive piece or you know whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, okay, let's trade for Carlos Williams. I I can't imagine he'd cost very much, so yeah, let's do it. I wonder if there's this kind of goes back to the discussion that we we always had of like, well, would you want to give up anything because of the limited picks for the next couple of years? on that with the running back crew coming in here. So with that, I'd probably say no. I don't think we should – you know, I thought about it for a while, and I was like, yeah, you could do that, but unless it's going to be a guy that you think can come in here and and take 60 to 65% of the snaps, I don't think you should do – I don't think you should do anything with the running back position unless something kind of cheap comes along here towards the trade deadline there, BLG. Yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't do anything other than I think th- I think what they're going to do, and I think Matt kind of alluded to it, is just like see what's available when final cuts, you know, happen. Sometimes, you know, guys get traded for like scraps, like a, like not even like a seventh round pick, but like swapping seventh round picks or something like just, or like those those player for player trades where each team was going to cut the player anyway, like that kind of deal. I guess we'll probably keep an eye on what happens with the Chiefs and Niall Davis and everything. I know, John, you're not a fan of him, but, you know, something like that, some kind of uninspiring running back addition, if anything. 
Uh, and last question as we're rolling out here from uh, Nova underscore Wolverine. Any hopes for the offensive line with mainly the same members, same offensive line coach to get uh, markedly better than the last two seasons here, Matt? Yeah, I actually, I do have a lot of hope for the offensive line. I think the biggest problem that we saw was uh, just the play calling was so vanilla, you know, uh, and not just vanilla, but like repetitive. It's not even like, you know, they were like on the outside looking in for vanilla. Like vanilla would have been like a very cool sort of twist. We'd be like, ooh, what's this? It's some vanilla. So um, I think that, like, I just remember watching, it was like, the, I think that first Dallas game where they just knew every time Kelsey snapped the ball and, like, went to sprint out to his left or to his right, like, some guy just hit him and he fell over. You know, like, that's... Yeah, it was already there. That's not the coaching. That's not, like, anything. You just had some guy just knifing through there. We knew exactly that the center was just running off. And, oh, it was it was terrible. So I think we have a lot of hope for it. And I know that, like... And I feel bad because I feel like this happens with players like this every once in a while. Like, like I still think here, I'm going to say it, King Dunlap. And everyone's going to be like, <laughs> but like he was pretty good, you know, still. and he's like a pretty good player. So, uh, but like, we're just sort of sick of him because he had like, wh- who was this? He had like a really bad game against Oakland. someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Brandon knows exactly, Brandon knows exactly where <laughs> I'm at. The game. But, but like, yeah, it's like these guys and like, you know, um, uh, Barbara had like a few of those games, but like, dude, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that I could tell a single thing about any of the players on the Eagles offense based on last year. Yeah. Uh, and especially more to the point of just, you know, uh, I think BLG actually pointed out a long time ago when we were having a discussion about the offensive line, that Kelsey, you know, basically was playing with a balloon on his knee for a, a big chunk of the season and still playing through that. And that's just kind of, you know, Lane a lot of the character too. of those guys. Yeah, like every everybody was hurt. Jason yep. Peters is hurt, or and or didn't want to be out there uh, sacrificing his body. And I don't blame him. Uh, you know, I, I I feel the same way. I think it's I, I think to get as bad as it was last year, they would have to try really hard to suck. So uh, yeah, I, I I think that there's going to be an improvement nonetheless because there's really no way other to, than to go up there. Uh, well, we thank you for everyone uh, listening to the uh the basically a full ma- mailbag show we got so many questions that we've provided about uh, an hour an hour for you so we appreciate that and we'll keep it rolling along and like we all said uh, just kind of keep paying attention to twitter's we'll have some com- uh, a couple of other bigger announcements heading through the next couple of weeks here blg any final thoughts rolling out here bud final thoughts we have breaking news happened during the, oh. our, our show here recording oh my goodness Cowboys linebacker londo mclean suspended for the first 10 games for violating the NFL substance abuse policy. <laughs> oh, it just did the you know basically I think what's happening here is that gives Dallas an extra first round pick. Oh, is that yeah, right? right? You know the ten because now now that they can allow uh you know some other you, I don't know I mean I don't know what they're like. If he puts his backup like. in, yeah, that that gets yeah, him more experience. They, they can probably trade that guy for a first round pick. And if you just if you just link the things together because they hired that nutritionist from Auburn and he makes really great salads, therefore that backup eats that salad. He becomes a first round pick here, Matt. I'm 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 uh, I'm glad you know that that it's just a hard battle for a lot of Eagles fans with Dallas and all these first round picks here. Yeah, it's tough. And you know, I'm looking. I'm on the outside looking in from this, and I'm just so incredibly jealous. You know, I look at I look at the vast empire of first round picks that they've they've built up over the years. You know, I take a look and I I look out on their works. Uh, you know, maybe I'm at the top of like a hill and I'm looking out and I'm just seeing like, you know, whole fields of Lyle Collinses and 
Randy Gregory's and nutritionists, you know, and I'm just, it's beautiful. It's, and, and I just look over here and I look at like our, at our, at our awful, awful team with a quarterback who's not 38 and mostly guys who are playing. And, and I think son of a bitch, you know, like, uh, it's me all heated. I'm, it's, I'm sorry. No, you know what? I mean, I, he owns the NFC East Romo does, yeah, you know, he sure just, does. So I, I guess that since this is a 10 game suspension, that means this is a second offense. So that's two first round yep. picks right there, one for each offense. And then the 10 game suspension, I think that's one first round pick per game. And you know what? You think about it, like him being out, that's going to cost them some draft position possibly. So yeah. each of those first round picks is now better. It is yeah. it is higher up. And like talk about a nightmare scenario for us as Eagles fans. I I, I don't know how we're going to recover. Yeah, and plus the fact that it looks like Jalen Smith won't play this year. Uh, and because they had their own doctor staff, uh, you, you know, uh, kind of examine his knee, basically more first round picks there, you know, they're for next just, year. Yeah. For just, next. For, yeah. They're just raking them in. So it's uh, it, it's a great thing. But we, we want to thank you, of course, for listening to BGN Radio episode number 172 for myself, Joe Barchard, of course, uh, Brandon Lee Gowton and Matt Daring. Uh, thank you for listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.